Welcome to Redefining the Good Life, the podcast that calls BS on the rat race of modern life and helps you finally have the courage to go after your dreams. I'm your host, Aishan Karaduman, aka The Omnivorist. I'm a life coach and functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Using a blend of mindset tools and ancestral nutrition, as well as understanding just what it means to be human today, I'm here to help you change the trajectory of your life. Another future is possible, my friend. Welcome on board. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining the Good Life. I hope you've been doing well. I hope you've been having a wonderful week so far. I recently came across this super interesting study that looked at the association between um, COVID outcomes and gum disease and found that patients with gum disease were four and a half times more likely to need a ventilator three and a half times more likely to be sent to the ICU, and nine times more likely to die. That's pretty remarkable. You know, I think this is, you know, basically another powerful testament to the importance of taking care of the terrain. And when I say terrain, that means you, your entire body, your whole person, as opposed to solely obsessing over the pathogen. In my nutritional therapy training, we really focused on strengthening the body's foundations because the assumption was that the body has its own wisdom and it knows how to take care of itself if we learn to give it what it needs. Of course, in our modern medical paradigm, we become so focused on the pathogen, in this case, you know, the coronavirus, to the point of losing sight of everything else. And once again, a study like this shows that those with systemic inflammation going on, such as folks with gum disease usually are, they're so much likelier to succumb to the worst of this virus. So once again, it's really criminal to be focusing all of our efforts and energy on avoiding a pathogen while not talking at all about how to help people heal their inflammation and start regaining their quality of life and resilience. I really, I really wish we would not neglect talking about how to strengthen the terrain in public health. And this also reminds me that, interestingly enough, you know, this was a study about dental health, and dentistry actually used to be part of medicine. It was considered to be part of the whole body. The mouth was part of the whole body. And actually that got changed, it got separated from uh, medical school, I think back in the 19th century, which I also find super fascinating, because we, we don't even, you know, we don't even acknowledge in our day, in our medical paradigm, that the mouth is actually a huge part of whole body health, and it's not just like this isolated place. Anyway, I could go on and on about this. <laughs> um, I will also link to that study in the show notes, if you're curious. And so I think this is a good segue to today's topic, because today I want to talk to you all about one of my favorite topics, and that is developing healthy habits, and more specifically, what usually gets in the way when you want to do that. You know, I love studying habits and 
helping people change their habits because it is our habits, you know, those automatic actions that we do all day, every day, that determine who we become a year, five years, 30 years down the line. Habits compound over time, the good and the bad. So that means it's a very good use of your time and energy to work actively on killing your bad habits and developing good ones. As I told you before, I started to research all things health and nutrition during my first pregnancy, and and I slowly but surely changed the way I did everything regarding my food and lifestyle. And I would have never guessed just how powerful these little changes would add up over time. And I was really surprised at how much better I started to feel in my body. And, you know, this is basically how I got started on this whole journey in the first place. So, you know, you can say that healthy habit formation has a really special place in my heart. For example, one of the things I did was to become a morning person. And this was really after a lifetime of rolling out of bed and running off to work at the very last minute. And I must say, I also always had the kinds of jobs where, you know, it started at like 10 a.m. So, (laughs) yeah, it was definitely a bit exaggerated. And now when I look back, I'm like, oh my, what a waste. (laughs) But of course, there are no regrets. And if anything, this makes me so much better at coaching my clients when they're like, but I have no time between the work and the kids and the housework. Oh, because I know of a time when I had all the time in the world, and yet I did nothing productive for me for what I wanted. So that's how our brains are. They're always in scarcity when it comes to time. And of course, like, you know, that's just one example. Of course, as you as I've already told you the story, you know, I basically changed um, the way I eat, eat and, you know, a lot of the lifestyle things too. And for me, one followed the other. So with good habits came more energy, more clarity, and more power. And that gave me the space to ask big questions and start to design my life around those ideas. So for me, there is a really close relationship between habit change and making big life changes. And of course, talking about habits is also really timely right now, because we recently came into the new year. And of course, The new year means New Year's resolutions for a lot of people, but we're also already in February. So for the vast majority of folks, their New Year's resolutions are already a thing of the past. Hmm, ouch. And that is because we completely misunderstand how to change our behaviors in a sustainable way. You know, and this is why, despite all of our best intentions, Like I said, by the time we're in February, people are like, what? What are you talking about? What New Year's resolution? Sustainable habit change is not about fancy extravagant goals or big epiphanies, okay? I mean, those things are great, right? Don't get me wrong. But they are not enough to get the job done, not by a long shot. And that's because, and this is what you first need to understand, there are two components to our habits. There is the mental part and there is the behavioral part. And if you want to change your habits in a lasting way, you need to address both of those. 
most people fail at their resolutions because they're focusing only on the behavioral part. But in order to change in a reliable way, you need to actually change who you are. That means looking into your thoughts and changing your mental patterns first. And you also need to understand what it is you're thinking currently that has you doing the things you're doing now in the first place, right? And this is especially important about breaking bad habits. I actually have a story that illustrates this quite beautifully. This came up on the last free coaching call of the Breakfast Reboot a few weeks ago. Um, So I coached Andy, who's a dear old friend from New York, and I was coaching him on making breakfast a lasting habit because he'd actually felt great during the week of the challenge, but he was worried that he wouldn't be able to keep it up regularly moving forward. So we got to talking about another big change he'd made more than 20 years ago, which was to quit smoking. And this was back in London and when he was in his late 20s. And he had been a smoker up until then, but he really did not want to continue that habit into his 30s. And he'd managed to cut back from 20 cigarettes a day to five. But for some reason, he was still holding on to those last five, despite consciously not wanting to be a smoker anymore. So he ended up visiting a hypnotherapist and and she, you know, this woman looked like a very smart person and she just looked him straight in the eye and was like, so why do you smoke? And he really felt like so backed into a corner and, you know, he just knew he couldn't be as his way out of this one. And so he thought about it and and then he blurted it out. I connect smoking to being funny, sociable, and popular. Whoa. You know, he had not expected that. He was actually barely conscious of having that belief. But now that it was out in the daylight, it became so much easier to actually ditch that belief, of course, along with the last few cigarettes. And, you know, he got to stop smoking for good. Now, here's what I want you to notice here. Unless he was addressing his unconscious beliefs about smoking, he could have spent years still smoking his five cigarettes a day, you know, all the way until he was 40, and still telling himself that he would quit tomorrow. And I'm sure you can relate to this with something else you're trying to change in your life. And so what I suggested to him was, How about he copy and paste what he did with smoking to now developing healthy habits in his 50s? And, you know, that's because it's usually not a lack of willpower or not a lack of good intentions, but a lack of alignment between what we consciously want and what our unconscious brain is thinking. Because guess what? It is our unconscious brain that is running the show. So if you don't get it on board, you are bound to fail at some point. When you dig deeper into the reasons that have you doing what you're currently doing and cultivate new beliefs around what you'd rather create, you no longer need willpower, at least not beyond the early stages of your new baby habits. So it eventually becomes innate. It eventually becomes who you are. And when you change who you are, you are not making a new decision every time. So once Andy ditched his beliefs about how cool smoking made him, 
he was not looking at a pack every day and trying to resist, right? It just never came up ever again. So it's kind of like total freedom in that case. So I want to speak about a few things that you need to understand to set yourself upright for developing good habits and killing bad ones. And first things first here, self-love is the number one indispensable ingredient. Now I'm going to give you an obvious example here, which is weight loss. Sustainable weight loss is about loving yourself exactly the way you are right now, today, instead of making your love conditional on when you get there. Learning to love yourself unconditionally makes it so much likelier that you will develop healthy habits that last. We tend to get afraid that, you know, if we accept ourselves the way we are, then we'll never want to change. But this actually, my friends, is just a huge misunderstanding. And if you don't believe me, you know, think about it. Hating yourself so far has not worked, has it? And this brings me to my second point. You cannot be seeking change from a place of fixing yourself, okay? You are perfectly perfect just the way you are. You do not have to change one bit to be more worthy. That part is a foregone conclusion. So you're actually going to want to take so much better care of yourself when you love yourself fully. And this also means that this is not a moral issue. You know, none of that, I've been good today, I've been bad this week, kind of BS, okay? In fact, when my clients show up to our sessions that way, I nip that kind of talk right in the bud. Just don't mix morality into it. It honestly does not matter one bit whether you woke up early and meditated or, you know, you had that chocolate bar. You know, no kitties got murdered if you reneged on your promise to yourself, okay? And finally, here's what I want you to understand. Bad habits don't mean you're a bad person. Whether it's eating all the cookies or losing yet another evening to the vortex of Instagram or Netflix, just understand that none of it means that you're a bad person. And again, this is back to my favorite concept, which is the evolutionary mismatch, right? Imagine how we evolved as human beings for millions of years. We ate foods that were right for our bodies. We moved our bodies all day, every day, and we lived in tight-knit communities. And we also did not have the chronic stresses that we have today. You know, we had acute stresses, but when it was over, we were just back to, you know, enjoying life, basically. And it was nothing like the loneliness that we experience today. So when you consider our environment, you know, our current environment that is so misaligned, that is so far from being able to give us what we truly need, especially emotionally, when you look at it in that light, our quote-unquote problematic behaviors actually make perfect sense, right? I could do a whole episode just on this, but if you have been listening for a while, I think you know what I'm talking about. So with all that said, you need to get really clear on your why, okay? Why would you want to be making this change? So I want to tell you another story here about my client, Francesca. When we first had our discovery call, she told me about diabetes running in her family, and since it had a genetic component, she'd probably get it too. And she'd already experienced, actually, some blood sugar issues. 
So I asked her what it was that she envisioned for herself. She said she did not want to end up like her dad, who developed diabetes really young and now had a pacemaker because he also developed heart disease, nor did she want to end up like her granddad, who lost his legs to the disease. She said that she sometimes sees older people who are really fit and active and they're in good shape. And she says to herself, I just hope I'm like that. And she also wanted to be over her current problems and grow old, active, and able to move around and be with her grandkids and not end up in a wheelchair, not being able to move around. So at that moment, her deep why was incredibly clear. And it was also obvious that if she wanted to become that healthy and happy older person, she would need to work hard and change her habits starting today. And lo and behold, she really showed up for the work and absolutely turned everything around her whole health and her entire life in just six months. And of course, it wasn't easy and she had to show up every day to do all the unsexy little things But connecting to her why in the beginning was really important. That was her compass, if you will. So get clear on what it is you envision for yourself and then ask yourself, who do I have to be to become that person? That future version of me who's figured all of this out already, how would they act today? What would they eat? How would they speak to themselves? Etc. In other words, Instead of obsessing over a goal, you need to be focusing on the process of getting there. At the end of the day, goals matter a lot less than how you take care of yourself and how you speak to yourself on a daily basis. Tiny improvements every day are actually what really move the dial on your well-being and not the transient feelings of inspiration, motivation, or excitement. Okay, if you go into it expecting not to feel those kinds of feelings consistently, you're going to fare so much better. So here's the next very important part. Here's why people fail at changing their habits most of the time, at least when they're going it alone. They basically overestimate certain things and underestimate other things. Now, I spoke earlier about the mental and behavioral component to your habits, but Most people don't understand this, and they just focus on what they have to do differently. And they ignore the fact that our brains actually hate change. And I have another story about this. I recently started with a new client, and on our first session, I told her that, you know, about this exact thing, how our brains hate change, and this is why, you know, we will be coaching a lot together. And then, you know, when, when she heard that, she was like, oh, but I want to change. I'm so ready to change. And I was like, nah, you only want to change consciously. But, you know, since it's the unconscious that runs the show, unless you get all of the parts of your brain on board, your efforts will fail. And that is not a question of if, but when. Over-relying on the conscious desire for change is woefully inadequate. And this is why, you know, she had hired me, right? That I can point all of this out to her during our sessions every week. And another reason people fail in establishing good habits over the long term is that 
what I mentioned earlier, which is over-relying on emotions like, you know, the excitement and motivation and inspiration and all of that stuff. But, you know, these are really quite unsustainable emotions of, over the long term. Instead, it is so much better to rely on emotions like calm, confidence, and commitment. Commitment is a really great one. Those kinds of feelings are so much likelier to provide sustainable fuel for your habit change. So that means you show up every day and do it even when you don't feel like it. And this brings me to my next point. Lots of people fail because they believe their brain's objections. So when we say your brain hates change, this is what that might look like. You want to start doing yoga regularly, but you think you have no time or no energy, or you want to start eating better, but you think, oh, my partner and my kids aren't on board, so it's too hard. You want to start going to bed earlier, but then you think, oh, but my husband wants to watch Netflix and he loves it when I join him, etc., etc. Okay? And when the initial excitement of setting that goal wears off, you end up believing all these thoughts and you give up. Whereas if you went into it expecting to have those thoughts, except expecting to have objections, and you were feeling really committed to your goal, well, then you will just do it anyway. And another thing I have to mention here is that a lot of people, you know, can't establish healthy habits over the long term because they are overestimating the role of willpower. And of course, willpower does have a role to play, but it isn't what you think. And I get into this a lot more in episode nine. So definitely go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Willpower is useful in the beginning, but what we're really aiming for is for your behavior to become truly habitual. Because when that happens, you don't even have to think about it anymore. You don't expend any mental energy for that anymore. When your, when your unconscious has completely absorbed it and does it automatically, you just coast along for the most part. I think I spoke to you about, you know, learning how to drive recently, and that's a perfect example here. I was so overwhelmed with everything that I had to pay attention to in the beginning. My brain would get so tired because it, it was, I mean, it was a lot of energy that I had to, you know, dedicate to this. But through constant repetition, so much of it became unconscious. And now by this point, you know, I can, you know, even think of other things or listen to music or podcasts while driving. I no longer have to expend and I no longer have to expend an inordinate amount of effort to do this one task. So as you can see, learning a new skill is very expensive to our brains. It demands a huge amount of energy and concentration. And since our brain obviously has other things to do, lots of things that are actually a matter of life and death, it naturally resists learning new things. Okay. All right. Now, this next one is really huge. Are you ready? Here is the kiss of death for healthy habit formation. It's what people make it mean when they don't do it perfectly. It's that self-hate spiral, that negative self, self-talk, you know, making it mean that you're somehow weak and lack discipline and willpower and nah, 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 okay? And for this, I want you to go back to episode eight, the surprising thing that blocks change, because self-compassion and um, the lack of the absence of self-judgment 
are going to be key in developing healthy habits. And, you know, obviously we know where this is coming from, right? We don't have to judge ourselves for judging ourselves because, you know, we live in a culture that really thinks that unless we beat ourselves up, we will turn into, you know, totally overindulgent, outrageous beings. But actually, the opposite is true. It is only when we have true compassion and acceptance for ourselves do we actually want to treat ourselves well. So if you don't manage to have a good breakfast one day or not saying no to your boss one day, do not make it a big deal. But do learn from the experience and prepare yourself better for the next time. And don't go twice in a row if you can help it. So do you see how all of this is coming together? You know, habit formation becomes inevitable when we're aligned within ourselves and we're not relying on, you know, white-knuckling it through sheer willpower. Wanting to change is actually easy, but, you know, most people fail when it comes to putting into action for the long haul because of all the reasons we cited above. So if you actually expect to have that battle in your brain, you know, let's say the one between the parent brain that wants those beautiful, wonderful things and good um, habits in the long term versus the toddler brain that can't see beyond this present moment. If you go into it expecting that there will be this, you know, um, this tension and you understand that and you, you allow for that, that's really going to make it so much easier for you to turn that into a long term behavior. Okay. And when you understand that nothing has gone wrong, when you have objections, when you don't feel like it, like in the moment, you'll just think, oh yeah, this that's right. Like Aishan had warned me that this would happen. <laughs> and the magical thing there is that, you know, you do it anyway. Like you eat a hearty breakfast, even when you don't feel like preparing it. Okay. And actually, that is the most important step to making this or anything else you want to do, a lifelong habit, by working that muscle, even when it feels hard, even when you don't feel super excited and motivated to do it, do it anymore. And when you start doing it, especially when it feels hard, you know, that's really going to be exactly what you need to make this a uh, sustainable habit change over the long term. Okay, so understand that all of this does not actually take a gargantuan effort but it does take a gargantuan commitment. That means being willing to show up every day, taking small baby steps every day. Again, when even when you don't feel super motivated, even when your brain is screaming bloody murder. So there are no surprises here, of course. You know, getting your mind coached every week is going to be the most powerful step you can take toward becoming that person who takes excellent care of themselves, who puts a stop to that nagging feeling that they're not fully living up to their potential and who actually starts taking charge of their future. So if you are interested in in that, just drop me a line and we'll set up our discovery call. And also, no matter what we decide at the end of that call, it can quite possibly be the most clarity that you have gotten in years. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you today. I cannot wait to speak to you next time. Bye. Hey, come join us in our private Facebook group, Redefining the Good Life, where we continue the conversation about just what it means to have a meaningful life today. See you there.